Well, good morning. We are continuing our study on faith, hope, and love, trying to bring all the pieces of who Riverbend is into focus. And here's what the Gospel of Luke in chapter 17 states. And he said to his disciples, this is Jesus saying to his followers, to his disciples, namely the twelve at the time, temptations to sin are sure to come, but woe to the one through whom they come. It would be better for him if a millstone were hung around his neck and he were to cast and he were cast into the sea than that he should cause one of these little ones to sin. Pay attention to yourselves. Exclamation point. If your brother sins, rebuke him. If he repents, forgive him. And if he sins against you seven times in a day and turns to you seven times saying, I repent, you must forgive him. The apostle said to the Lord, now, do you understand what, they, what he just told them? It's about forgiveness and it's about sin and about temptation and causing little ones, i.e. these children, to sin. And they say this to him in verse 5. Increase our faith. Increase our faith. And the Lord said, If you had faith like the grain of a mustard seed, if you had faith like the grain of a mustard seed, you could say to this mulberry tree, Be uprooted and planted in the sea, and it would obey you. This morning, I want to share with you, share for us, three facts on faith. And my prayer has been all week that I would not be like a person in verses 1 through 4 who would cause any of us, little ones or old ones, big ones, small ones, round ones, tall ones, whatever ones, that any of us would be caused to sin, but we would understand faith. So I want to share with you three facts that I believe Scripture teaches us on faith. Heavenly Father, would you speak this morning through your word? God, would we understand your word? Would you speak clearly to this body, these men and women, boys and girls? God, that we would know your word. Father, I ask one more time this morning, would you speak? Give us ears to hear. Father, give us eyes to see this word that you have for us on these pages, in these verses. May we see these three facts on faith. Lord, may we put those facts in our lives May we grab a hold of that and may we live that out each and every day knowing just as we sing, not for a moment have you forsaken us, but you are with us at this moment right now and you will be with us for every other moment that we walk this place. God, this is your turn. This is your time. Father, I ask that you would speak 
God, it would, it would be driven so hard and so far into our lives that your word would stay, no matter what, what I say, but Father, that your word would stay in my life, in our lives, because your word, your word is all that matters. Ask this in your son's name. Amen. Three facts on faith. Let me give you the three facts and then we'll unpack all three of these this morning. The first is this. The first fact about faith is that faith is a gift from God. Faith is a gift from God. The second fact concerning faith is this. Faith must be appropriated to be anything or to do anything. Faith must be appropriated, and we'll talk about that for a moment. And the third fact this morning is this, that doubt causes faith to stop, or doubt stops faith. So we're going to see those three facts from a number of passages. One Namely, from an epistle or a letter to the church at Ephesus and the others, mainly from three passages in the Gospels. But let's read this first one. In Ephesians chapter 2, verses 4 through 9, Paul wrote this about faith. He wrote this to the church at Ephesus. He said these words. Ephesians 2, 4 through 9. For by grace, for by grace... You have been saved through faith. And this is not of your own doing. This is verse 8. This is not of your own doing. It is a gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. What is this gift? My, My first fact was this, that faith is a gift given to you from God. What is this gift? Paul writes it there in Ephesians 2, 8, for by grace you've been saved Through faith, and this is not your own doing, it is the gift of God. What is the gift of God? Your salvation is a gift of God. The faith that allowed you to be saved is a gift from God, and it was given to you through the grace of God. So every aspect of your salvation and my salvation, every from the beginning of it to the end of it, and every part of it is a gift from God, and this faith. That is necessary for you and for me to be saved is a gift given from God. Faith is a gift from God. How do you get it? We saw that last week. Romans chapter 10 verses 15 through 17. Let me read it for us one more time. Especially verses uh, 16 and 17. But here is what Paul wrote in those verses, Romans 10, 15, and how are they to preach unless they're sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news, the gospel, salvation, the word of God. How beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. Verse 16, but they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed what he has heard from us? So faith Faith comes from hearing, 
And hearing the preacher, no. Hearing Brian, no. Hearing the Word of Christ. Faith comes. Faith is a gift of God. Faith comes by hearing the Word. And here's what you and I need to, uh, need to kind of grasp this morning. God holds you accountable for faith. He holds you accountable for faith. It's a gift from God. It's given by the hearing of the word, but God holds us accountable for faith. You don't have to, you don't have to turn there right now. Maybe you jot it down as, as a note and you go back and look at it. But in Luke chapter 18, verse 8, it states this, that the Son of Man comes. The Son of Man is coming. He comes looking for faith. And he's coming again looking for faith. You're like, what? So when Christ came, he was looking for those who were acting in faith. When he comes again, he is going to be looking for those who believe, who have faith. And he holds you accountable. He holds me accountable if we don't have it. You're like, how in the world is that the case? Listen to what... uh, One preacher, Ron Dunn, stated about this. He said, faith is a gift from God, but he holds you accountable if you don't have it. Why? Because if your heart, Brian Tillman, if your heart, River Bend, if our hearts were prepared to receive faith, he could give it. God is ready to give faith to you and to me. He's ready to give us faith. But two things must be present in your life, and in my life, for him to give it. Romans chapter 10, verse 21 states this, But of Israel, he says, all day long, I've held out my hands to who? To a disobedient and contrary people. I don't want you to show your hand. Sit on your Everybody sit on your hand. No, you don't have to. But don't raise your hand. But I want you to think about this past week. Have you been a disobedient person? I mean, this isn't confession time. You come up and tell everybody. No, I just want you to think about it. This past week, have you been a disobedient person? Well, Brian, what does disobedient mean? Have you been one who has been unwilling to be persuaded? Have you been one who has been refusing to obey? I've preached in a number of churches. I'm not talking about you. I'm talking about all the other places that I've preached, okay? not talking about you. I'm talking about all the other places. Because they're totally different from you and from me. But there's two types of people that I preach to every single week at other places. I either preach to a congregation or I preach to a jury. Preach to a congregation or a jury. You know what a jury is, right? A jury is a group of people who come to a place and they sit in chairs to hear facts. And once they hear those facts, they go decide if they are going to respond to those facts or how they're going to respond to those facts, if at all. 
if they believe the facts. Some in those jury boxes, just like some in rows of chairs or pews that I have preached to before, have said, you know what, I've read the Gospels before, I've read Ephesians before, I've read Romans. Man, we've preached through. I've heard sermons preached time and time again about faith. I already got my mind made up. Let's be honest for a second. Y'all look at me for just a second. Oftentimes I look at the Word and say, I've already read it. I've read it 20 times. I've read it 40 times. I have already preached through Ephesians multiple times in my 20 years of being a pastor. I have read that book. I have read Romans. I have preached through it. I've already got notes on it. Let's just move on. The fact is that God gives faith. And you and I, he says oftentimes about me, and I wish that it weren't so, just as he says about Israel. And I pray that it is not the case about River Bend. And if it has been the case about you or it's been the case about me, may it never be the case again that all day long he has held out his hands to a disobedient and contrary people. May it never be said of me or of you that you are a disobedient people are a contrary people to Almighty God. That you walk into His presence, you walk into this place, you open His Word and say, I already know this. And don't allow Him to speak. Because He is giving you and He is giving me faith. It is there for the taking. If we would not be disobedient, or if we would not be contrary or obstinate against Him. God's ready, but He'll only give it if two things are present. One is this, that you and I must have a readiness to obey. We must have a readiness to obey. And two, we must have a willingness to listen. For God to give you faith this morning, faith to live what you and I need to live how we need to live. At school, at the house, at the job site, when we're alone, when we're with a group of people, with family, strangers, there must be a readiness to obey. And there must be a willingness to listen. You're like, why don't you, how can you have a readiness to obey before you have a willingness to listen? That's just it. Have you already got your mind made up of what God wants from you? Have you already said, hey, here's what I'll do? You already made this bargain with him and said, all right, God, I'll do this, but don't ask me to do anything else. Don't, don't ask me to do anything else. Here's how far I'll go. When you and I are there, He would call out to you and he would call out to me and say, hey, you're just like Israel. You are a disobedient and obstinate people. You are a disobedient and contrary people. You are a people with a stiff neck. We have to have a readiness to obey. Are you willing to obey whatever he says? Whatever he says, are you willing to obey? 
It may be the most logical thing that you've ever heard. Are you ready to obey it? It may be the most illogical thing that you have ever heard. Remember the story of one of, at the turn of the 1900s, I think it was 1904, if I am remembering it correctly, and I may not be, but I believe it was 1904, that the first heir of the Borden Milk family, he was 24 years of age, I believe his name was William Borden, may not be William, but he said this, God has called me to be a missionary. And he just started walking through the house. And he, as he walked through the house, he told this servant and that servant, he told this person and that person, hey, take that and go give it away. Take that and sell it and give the money to the poor. Take this, that. And he did not even fill the suitcases. And he got on the boat. He got on the boat, went to India, and he died in three months. Excuse me. He went to Egypt, not India. He died in three months. And as they were, as he was about to die, they asked him, was it worth it? Was it worth it? And he said, no regrets. No regrets. When I die, just make sure that you, you bury me there. Don't, don't send me back to America. Bury me there because that's where God called me. It was the most illogical thing for him to do. Yet he was ready to obey. And he was willing to listen. You and I are not ready to listen to God's word until you and I first set our hearts, our lives in a spot, in a, in a frame that says we are ready to obey whatever God states. As I was reading and studying this week, I came across this statement. River Bend, God never gives you His Word. He never gives you, as an individual or as a whole body, He never gives us His Word to satisfy our curiosity. He gives His truth He gives His Word for you and for me to obey it. Period. You say, what does that mean? It means this. That if you're just curious about, hey, what do you think God would want us to do? What what do you think God would want? I'm I'm just going to read His Word just so I can figure out what He wants. Just so I can scratch that curiosity itch. No. He gives you His Word. He gives me His Word so that you and I will obey it. The first fact is this. That faith is a gift from God. Second fact. Second fact. Faith must be appropriated to be or to do anything. Faith must be appropriated to be or to do anything. Look in Mark's gospel. Let me read for us a uh, story. It is an interesting story in Mark's gospel. Mark chapter 9 verse 14. I need to set up what's happened. 
Verses 1 through 13, there's been the Mount of Transfiguration. Y'all know what that is? Here's what happened. Jesus said, hey, Peter, James, and John, let's go up. It's the middle of the night. Let's go up and let's sit on this mountain. And I want y'all to be with me. And so they go up and Peter, James, and John see Moses and Elijah and Jesus transfigured in all their white glory. All of Jesus' glory is no longer clothed in flesh and they see it. And Peter opens his mouth once again and says, it's great for us to be here to see all three. of. Can we just build three tents? And God says, um, Moses is not my son. Elijah is not my son. But that right there, that's my son, and I'm well pleased with him. And the other two are gone. Okay, That's happening up on top of the hill. And down at the bottom of the hill, the other nine, They are not happy that three of them have got called out once again to go be with Jesus and they're left alone. And now here are some scribes and some Pharisees who are coming and they are just talking and talking and talking. And this guy, this dad comes up and he's like, hey, my son is demon possessed. Throw the demon out of him, please. And they try and they can't. And then there is just some laughing and sky. (laughs) You can't even do it. And Jesus and the three show up. Okay, that's where we're, where we're heading, right here. Verse 14. And when they came down to the disciples, that's Jesus and the other three, they saw a great crowd around them, around the disciples, scribes arguing with him, and immediately all the crowd, when they saw him, they were greatly amazed. And they ran up to him and they greeted him, Christ. And he asked them, what are you arguing about with them? And someone from the crowd answered, Teacher, I brought my son to you, for he has a spirit that makes him mute. And whenever it seizes him, it throws him down, it throws him down, and he foams and grinds his teeth and becomes rigid. So I asked your disciples to cast it out, and they were not able. And he answered them, the crowd. Okay? He answered them, the crowd, O faithless generation, how long am I to be with you? How long am I to bear with you? Bring him to me. And they brought the boy to him. And when the spirit saw him, so when the demon saw Jesus, immediately it convulsed the boy. And he fell on the ground and he rolled about, foaming at the mouth. And Jesus asked his father, how long has this been happening to him? And he said, from childhood. And it has often cast him into fire, cast him into water to destroy him. But if you can do anything, you hear that? If you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. And Jesus said, If you can, if you can, all things are possible for one who believes. Immediately, the father of the child cried out and said, I believe. Help my unbelief. And when Jesus saw that a crowd came running together, he rebuked the unclean spirit, saying to it, You mute and deaf spirit, I command you, come out of him and never enter him again. And after crying out 
and convulsing him terribly, it came out and the boy was like a corpse so that most of them said he's dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him up and he arose and he entered, his house, entered the house. His disciples asked him privately, why couldn't we cast it out? Verse 29, this kind cannot be driven out by anything but prayer. What I want you to see is what the Father said to Jesus and what Jesus responded back to the Father. The Father first said, if you can do anything, please have compassion on us and and cast him out. And Jesus said, if you can... And it's not a question mark, it's an exclamation point. If you can, all things are possible for the one who believes. You remember how Luke recorded in that moment what Jesus was saying? The disciples asked for him to increase their faith. And he said, if you had the faith of of the smallest, of the tiniest of seeds, you could say to that type of tree, that mulberry tree, hey, go cast yourself in the sea and be planted there and it would happen. In Matthew, he says, if you had that, that size of faith, of a mustard seed, you could say to that mountain, go be uprooted and go be thrown into the sea and it would, it would obey you. Faith is a gift from God. He gives it to those who are willing to, uh, who have a readiness to obey and a willingness to listen to what He has to say. And you and I must appropriate that faith. For us to do absolute anything. The author of Hebrews says, without faith, it's impossible for you to please God. Let that sink in. Hey, River Bend, it's impossible for you to please God without faith. Hey, students, it's impossible for you to please God without faith. Hey, Brian, it's impossible for you to please God without faith faith. Without faith, you and you and you and you and myself can do nothing, absolutely nothing of any substance, of any count without faith. Warren Wiersbe stated about that passage in Mark, it may be that the absence of their Lord by His taking the three disciples with Him or leaving them behind had dampened their spiritual fervor, diminished their faith. Not only did their failure embarrass them, but it also robbed the Lord of glory and gave the enemy opportunity to criticize. It is your faith. It is my faith. It's our faith in Him that glorifies God. Now you put that quote into your life this past week. When you and when I, when we were disobedient. When you and I were disobedient this past week. Because you didn't have faith. I didn't have faith. In the situation, in the moment, we did not have faith. We did not appropriate that faith in that moment. Therefore, we disobeyed. It robbed God of glory. It allowed the enemy 
Satan himself to gain a foothold in that person or in that situation, even in us, because we did not appropriate faith. Think about that. The weight of that moment when you and I disobey. Oh, it was just a little thing. Oh, it's just a little white lie. Ah, my boss knew about that. He knows I always, I always do that. It was just, I just cut a little corner. I really... I was just going five miles over the speed limit when the, the written law says 55, but the applied law is 65, and I was going 62. It's, it's no big deal. Oh, my wife, she knows how I am. It's okay. I can talk to her that way. My best friend, they know how I am. And they'll get over it. We always talk that way to each other. In those moments, when you and I disobey, it robs our Father glory. And it is sin. And it leads us to the third fact. The first fact is that faith is a gift from God. The second fact is that it must be appropriated for us to be anything, for us to do anything. It must be appropriated, put into action in our lives. The third and final fact comes from Matthew's Gospel, chapter 21, verse 21 and 22. Doubt. Stops faith. Matthew chapter 21, verse 21. Let me pick up in verse 18 and I'll read the whole story. In the morning, as he was returning to the city, he became hungry. This is Jesus. And seeing a fig, a fig tree by the wayside... He went to it and found nothing on it but only leaves. And he said to it, he spoke to the tree, he said to it, May no fruit ever come from you again. And the fig tree withered at once. Verse 20, when the disciples saw it. When the disciples saw it, they marveled, saying, they were amazed, saying, How did the fig tree wither at once? How in the world is this happening? Jesus answered them, Truly I say to you, if you have faith and do not doubt, you will not only do what has been done to the fig tree, but even if you say to this mountain, Take up and be thrown into the sea. It will happen. And whatever you ask in prayer, you will receive. If you have faith. September the 9th, 2017 at 10.59 a.m. Do you have faith? River Bend. Sir, do you have faith? Ma'am, do you have faith?
So, Brian, let me, let me get this straight. Are you saying that if I have faith that I can say, hey, um, put $100 million in my bank account, and Monday morning when I look at it, it'll be there? Nope. Anything that I ask... Whatever I ask in prayer, I pray that I will have a Harley Davidson. I pray that I will have a Harley Davidson. I pray that I will have a Harley Davidson. Nope. Truly I say to you, if you have faith and do not doubt, you will not only do what has been done. What had been done? What had been done? The fig tree was withered, right? But let's step back one step from that. What had been done? God's will had been done. God's will was done through His Son. Hey, Son, I want you to teach your followers about this thing called faith. And here is a moment, an illustration that I have for them. So here's what I want you to do. You see that fig tree? You say that it's going to be withered and never have fruit on it again, and it's going to be done. Boom, done. God's will done in that moment for that situation, for that teaching moment. And they are marveling at it. And if it were to happen today, if we were to go outside and look at that pine tree that is right over there and say, hey, pine tree, all the needles fall off of it and it's all off. That's God's will. It would happen. So whatever you ask, God's will. How do you know God's will? What does this say? What does this say about how you're supposed to treat your spouse? What does this say how you're supposed to treat your boss? What does this say how you're supposed to treat your child? What does, this, what does this say how you're supposed to talk? How you're supposed to act? What are the thoughts that are supposed to happen in your mind? Every single day, how do you know God's will? You've got to know His Word. You've got to be in His Word. For some of us, we got to dust off the Word or we got to click on the app that has His Word and we have to be in His Word. Because when I'm not in His Word, when you're not in His Word, doubt creeps in. The author of Hebrews puts it this way. He states that Faith occurs when there is a believing heart. And there are those who have an unbelieving heart. You're like, that, that's not how we think in 2007. In the Western mindset, we don't think that the heart is where thought happens. But in the Eastern or the Middle Eastern mindset, that is where they knew Thought happen. And maybe you would rather it say an unbelieving mind, but, but our mind changes, but our heart is what is weighty, it's what those convictions hold on to, not just beliefs, but those convictions hold on to. And he says the unbelieving heart. You state it another way. One day, every single one of us in this room are going to stand before Almighty God. 
And when we stand before Almighty God, he's either going to point to the right or to the left, and he's going to say, sheep, go enter into your rest. Or he's going to point and say, hey, goats, I never knew you. Depart from me. I I never knew you. And you will enter into eternity into the lake of fire. And let's just talk about these folks over here that that are separated, sheep and goats, those that don't believe. It's not anything that they did that kept them out of heaven. There is no action that they did that kept them out of heaven. It is because they did not believe that Jesus was the Christ, the Son of the living God, that He came and died for them, that He came to be their Savior. They did not believe in Him, therefore they will spend eternity away from Him. Then you take these sheep over here. It's nothing that we did. As a son or a daughter of the king, it is nothing that we did in our actions that caused us to be a sheep than a goat. It's because we believed that he took our place, that he paid for my sin Every single one of them, every lie that I've ever stated, every action that has been contrary to what he has told me to do, and I did it anyway, or every action that I did not do when he told me I needed to do it, every sin and transgression, I've placed it on him, and he said, Brian Tillman's mine. It's nothing that I did. It's nothing that they did. It is belief or unbelief. Doubt stops faith. And God has called you and He has called me to live in faith. And the reason and the moments and the days and the weeks, I pray never again, that we live in doubt not trusting what God has said, not willing to go where God has told us to go. We're not living in faith, and we're living opposite and against Him. For some of us in the room, right at this moment, you know exactly those spots where he has said, you and I need to do this. We need to be about that. And you and I have stated, I'm not going there today, Lord. Maybe for us in this room, some of us in the room, we know where that is. Maybe for some of us in the room, you don't know where that is, but it seems that God, and and we sing about it, he's never forsaken us, but it seems that there is a fog, and there is a dense fog, and I cannot see him, I don't know where he is, and I don't know the step to take. And he says to you, and he says to me, do you trust me? Anything is possible for those who believe. If you have faith, yep, I've got faith. Help my unbelief, yep, and do not doubt. One preacher stated this way, and I close. There is no way in the world that you can stop a bird from flying and landing on your head. 
Can't do it. You can shoo it off. Yeah, but you can't, you can't stop a, a bird from trying to land on your head. But you better well sure know that you can stop it from making a nest. What's he saying? He's saying, you know what? There's moments in my day, there's moments in your day when the devil, the enemy, brings a doubt that comes. And you can't stop that. But you can stop it from staying. And the way that you stop that from staying is, nope, here's what God's Word says. God's Word states that Jesus took all the punishment of my sin. All. The punishment of my sin. God's word states that I am a son of the king. That I am his. That he holds me and there is nothing or no one that can take me out of his hand. God's word states that I, yes, am a sinner, but he is a greater savior and he has saved me. And he has gone to prepare a place for me. And that one day he is coming back for me, for you. Can you stop the thoughts? Maybe the thoughts come, but they are not to make a home in your heart and in your life if you're of faith. Heavenly Father, God, the fact that you give us faith, thank you for the gift. Lord, may may every single one of us in this room today May we find ourselves like that man. Yes, I believe, but Lord, help my unbelief. Father, I pray that we would appropriate faith in our lives. Every single day, God, we would be in your word. This body, these men and women, myself included, Lord, we would be in your word growing in faith. Father, may we not doubt. May we trust you. Even when it seems so illogical, may we trust you. God, you are good. You are good. Father, may we trust you. I ask it in Christ's name. Amen.